Welcome to Open-Minded Healing, where the topic is alternative health. We will be having conversations with the practitioners that offer a variety of alternative healing modalities, as well as everyday people who have recovered their health outside of the MD's office. Join us with an open mind for conversations that may provide solutions to healing your own body on a mental, physical, and spiritual level. I'm Marla Miller. Let's begin. Welcome, everyone. My guest today is Erin Scott. After conventional medicine let her down several times, she became a passionate advocate for giving ourselves permission to look outside the box for healing in both people and our pets. Erin is the founder of HugsAndBellyRubs.com and host of the Believe in Dog podcast, featuring heart-centered conversations with pet parents about how the love of a dog can inspire change in our lives, personally, professionally, or both. Erin lives near Baltimore, Maryland with her husband, Tim, and adopted pit bulls, Penny and Nino. So how are you today? I'm doing good. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah, well, I'm very excited to get into this conversation because I know that you have had multiple events in your life that have made you look outside the MD's office to find healing. So we're going to talk about a variety of topics today that affect both mental and physical health. So maybe you can start with your earliest encounter with alternative healing. So I had a huge tragedy in my life back in 2003, and that's what sort of led to some of the encounters because before I was in my 20s, I had a pretty normal life. I had some sinus problems and a little bit of anxiety, but uh, nothing that you know I needed to go beyond the doctor's office for uh, until this big tragedy happened in my life. And I had a hard time kind of getting over that. <laughs> so is it all right to talk about what the tragedy was? Sure. Um, I met my husband, Tim, in the year 2000. And in 2003, uh, we lost his mother to breast cancer. That was the first thing. And she was only 47 at the time. And my husband's actually going to be 47 this year. So, man, it really puts things into perspective how young that is. And then three months Later, my husband had a son from a previous relationship. His name was Damien. He was five, almost six. He was just starting the first grade in September. And he and his mother were killed in a car accident. And that, like, my life is kind of divided into, like, before that and after that. And I can talk about it now without crying because of all of the therapy I've done over the years. I remember one time somebody said I should go to this a support group meeting called Compassionate Friends. And this was a, over a year after the accident. And I got there and they have, I was new. They're trying to get me to tell my story. And I literally just couldn't stop crying. And they didn't even know what was wrong with me. And they're hugging me. And I mean, I literally couldn't even say what happened at that point. It was still so raw. And I had never had any kind of therapist therapy in my life. So, you know, in the year after the accident, a lot of changes in my life happened. Tim and I ended up getting engaged. We bought our first house. I started the job that has kind of led to my career. We adopted our first dog, which was hugely life-changing for me. 
And, you know, so I'm supposed to be planning this wedding and it's supposed to be like this happiest time. And I was just miserable all the time. And, you know, I was still able to get up and go to work every day, but I just was always walking around with the weight of the world on on my shoulders and I didn't take joy in anything. And quite frankly, I don't think I felt like I deserved to enjoy anything at that point in time, because how could I enjoy anything when this child was missing from our lives? So I eventually realized, you know, I'm supposed to be a happy time and I'm not happy. And I think that means that I I need some help with stuff. And I I started going to a therapist and I was really fortunate because I really just picked the therapist by who took my insurance and had evening hours that I could go after work. But this woman did the technique EMDR. And that was really huge for me. And it really helped me with processing the trauma of everything. Cause I would just have this like loop that played in my head over and over again of like the last conversation I had with Damien's mom or getting the phone call about things or the, the events of that night, you know, it's like, I can't remember what I ate for lunch yesterday, but these details were all so vivid in my mind and were just playing in my head over and over again. And, and the EMDR was so powerful in, in really helping me. And I, it took a couple times, but you know, it it really did help my brain kind of get out of that stuck mood. And I was like, oh, this was really life altering to not sort of be reliving that in my mind constantly. So that was my first real experience with anything kind of alternative. For those of you who may be unfamiliar with EMDR, it stands for Eye Movement Desensitization and Reprocessing. It's a proven method to help people recover from trauma and other distressing life experiences. Yeah. By the time I stopped seeing her, I was in a much better place already just from the trauma aspect. So the EMDR lessens the emotional charge attached to a traumatic event. Yeah. And, and for me, I guess, I don't, I think they call it like ruminating. Like it it was literally just like it was playing in my head over and over all the time. And, And how could I ever not think about that? was sort of where my brain was at that time. And now I can talk about it. I remember it. I still remember it very clearly. It's not like it's affected the memory, but I'm not trapped living there in that place anymore. So as of today, you can look back on these different pieces of memory. And how does it make you feel now, now that you've had the EMDR training? I mean, I I feel like I'm appropriately emotional about it instead of being overwhelmed, you know, and stuck there. I'm just, I'm not stuck anymore. Well, that's great. It's great that you found someone on the first try and someone that had the right tool for you to handle that trauma. Yeah, I will say my husband, when he was seeking out therapy after this, he did not luck out (laughs) with the therapist that he went to. So I guess I'm always encouraging people that if you try somebody and it's not a good fit, you know, you're not going to like everybody and, and that that's not necessarily a commentary on therapy or on this modality, but just, it just wasn't a fit and, and, you know, try somebody else because you will find the person that, you know, resonates with you and and that clicks with you. Yeah. That is a good reminder that it's okay to leave that practice and find a different person. And I've seen people who are like, oh, well, therapy doesn't work because I didn't like this person. So I'm just not going to do therapy. And it's like, no, no, you just need to find a better one or a better fit. (laughs) Yeah. That's a very good point. So EMDR, if you were to characterize what exactly it is, how would you describe the process? So my understanding is that um, practitioners do it 
differently. I don't know if you remember when you were in elementary school and you would have to take those hearing tests and they'd put those big headphones on you and you'd have to raise your hand when you heard the tone. And you, it was kind of like that. There was these tones that would go back and forth from one ear to the other ear. And sometimes I would close my eyes or open my eyes the way that she would instruct me to. And then I would also be sort of talking her through these memories, like these things that where I was stuck, I would be talking through that while listening to these tones, while doing the eye movements that she's describing. And I don't know the magic of it, but I do know like it somehow worked all together to help my brain sort of get unstuck from this place. Well, that's great. It's a great place for people to, well, when they're looking for a therapist to find someone who might specialize in that training, the EMDR. Yes. You know, I'm sure it's helpful for other things, but I guess for me, you know, if I was dealing with another sort of traumatic situation again, that's one of the first things I I would want to look at. Well, I'm glad that you were able to share that information. So what was the next event that came up in your life that made you try something else? Well, you know, my husband and I, we, we get married in 2005. And like I said, he had kind of struggled with finding a good fit with therapy and had stopped and started. And I, you know, had gone to this woman and then, um, she had, had moved practices and I wasn't able to see her anymore. And we, we were still just not really in a good place. Like maybe, so now we've moved through like the initial trauma of it, but if you ever look at what the statistics are of divorce rates in a marriage where a child has been lost. I mean, I know it wasn't my child, but I always say I couldn't have imagined loving him more. And I have been planning my life to be this stepmom. And so I I was still mourning the loss of the life that I thought we were going to have with his son, even if it wasn't my son. But, you know, there's very high divorce rates in in relationships where there's been the death of a child. And so we were still just not in a great place. We were having financial stress. We were having job stress. And it was really all taking a toll on our relationship. And so in 2007, we had actually separated for about six months. I mean, I really, like he moved out. I mean, I I really thought we were going to get divorced. Uh, and I remember about a month later, it was like, all of a sudden one day it was like, I was just sad. I, you know, it was like, I, like, what have we done? Like we have, we had this amazing relationship, all this love, and we've just blown this up. And so I became determined that I was going to put this back together again. And I'm very determined (laughs) and I do a lot of, of research with anything that I do in my life. And so I, I really started reading all of these books about, you know, marriages and relationships and putting, you know, things back together. And I found a book about Imago therapy. It's spelled I-M-A-G-O. And it was this really powerful relationship counseling therapy. And I was like, this, this is what we need. This is the key. So we were able to sort of reconnect again. We kind of started dating each other again and we decided we do want to make this work, but we know that we need some help to get through some things. And so I started looking around and I, I found an Imago therapist that was in our general area. This was somebody who didn't take 
in any insurance. You know, you had to pay all out of pocket. But we were robbing from Peter to pay Paul or whatever that saying is. I was like, this is worth it, you know. <laughs> and so we started going and they guide you through this dialogue where one person gets to kind of say what, whatever it is that they need to say about their experience and the other person holds space for them. And then the therapist sort of guides you through validating each other and mirroring back. And, you know, is that right? Am I getting this right? You know, and really, and a, a lot of it ties back to like, well, when are other times in your life that you felt this level of frustration or this level of being unheard or unseen. And a lot of times we can tie some of these things back to, you know, issues that happened in our childhood. And while in our childhood, it might've played out very differently. Like that feeling, you know, is still very same. And and so it sort of helps us process why somebody could say something to me that doesn't bother me, but it could bother somebody else. And my understanding of what empathy is grew by 10,000%, you know. It was really powerful healing for for both of us. And I think again, we maybe only went to like half a dozen sessions because that was really all we could afford to do at the time, but I remember my husband saying this is the single greatest thing that we've done, not only for our marriage, but for ourselves as individuals. And it was like, even if we didn't make it, but we did, <laughs> it was still worth the experience of having you know gone through this because of, of how much insight we got into ourselves, how much insight we got into each other. And, you know, here we are, but we're still going strong. Uh, We had our 16th wedding anniversary this year and 21 years together. (laughs) That's a milestone for sure. Just this morning, I was listening to Oprah's Super Soul. It's a podcast. Yes. And they were talking about the person who created that Imago therapy, where he was helping two couples using that therapy you just spoke of to heal their relationships. And it was about how they would respond to each other, but ultimately they were responding to a childhood wound or something. Yeah. And so once they understood and they weren't taking what the other person was saying so personally, because they had a better understanding of where that was coming from, like it was coming from their childhood, they were able to communicate so much more effectively and, you know, I guess foster that love again. So it's so interesting that yeah. you brought that up today. It's really a really powerful thing. And, you know, once you kind of have that set of tools in your toolbox, it's really interesting to walk through the world. And, you know, if you have a difficult coworker or even a difficult situation with another family member who's responding in a way that you think is so bizarre to you, you know, if you start realizing that's what's going on, you know, there's a wound there, there's a trigger there with that person. And it's not about me. It's about them. And you hear that sometimes, but it, but this really put it into practice to me what that actually meant. <laughs> yeah. Prevent you from getting automatically defensive right, and shifting the conversation to something even more negative. Right. To things just starting to spiral. And yeah. <laughs> yeah. Having that empathy for the other person and seeing it from a different perspective is great. Well, I'm so glad that you found that specific type of therapy that was helpful and could turn your situation around. Because as you said, the divorce rate for people that have lost a child is significant. It's great that you were able to turn that around and and be celebrating 16 years now. (laughs) So after this happened, I know you've had other events (laughs) that came after. Oh, yes. First physical situation that I had where I really had to go outside the box in 2000, 
four, I was in a car accident. It was a relatively minor car accident. I was driving to work and the car, two cars behind me hit the car behind me so hard that that car hit me, you know, rear-ended me. And it didn't do a ton of damage to my car really because my back end kind of sat up higher in my car and the guy behind me had this very like low riding sports car. And so he kind of actually went up under me. (laughs) So, you know, the back end of my car was actually like up in the air, but it didn't really do any damage when you looked at it. But I was caught completely off guard. I was just sitting at this red light, minding my own business (laughs) and was really jostled around and, you know, had some issues with whiplash. And so, you know, I go to my doctor and, you know, they give you like some muscle relaxers or something, and then that doesn't really help. And so they send you to physical therapy. And so I do the course of physical therapy and I'm still, you know, having issues and they're like, well, maybe we need to get you an MRI to see, you know, is there something going on? So I have the MRI and that comes back normal. And then they're like, and so, you know, I would just have all of this pain all the time. I would have like shooting pain down my arm. Sometimes I would be, I would have a lot of numbness. I'd be like carrying groceries and like all of a sudden like my arm would give out and I would drop everything in that hand. Um, and you know, I would have like pins and needles, but it wouldn't be constant. It would kind of be like intermittent. And I, I felt like I sounded odd when I was describing the symptoms, but that's what was going on. And I will say just as an aside, I have a brother with an addiction issue for the last 20 years. So the last thing I wanted was any kind of painkillers. So then I have a nerve conduction test, which is like being electrocuted if you've ever had I one. I actually had that done and walked out of the office before they finished. <laughs> it's miserable. I mean, I, I was in tears. It was horrible. But everything came back normal. Lucky me. I mean, I felt everything. And so then I get sent to like an orthopedic surgeon And so his idea is, well, we're going to cut you open and do an exploratory surgery. (laughs) And I'm like, that sounds good. Exploratory surgery. Yeah. And I was like 20, yeah, I was like 25, 26 at this time. You know, I'm like, you're not cutting me open. No, 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 no. So around this time I had started the career path that I've, I've been on and I do a lot of medical research in conjunction with my job. And so I was starting to use things like PubMed to do research. So I started looking up some of the symptoms uh, on PubMed and I ended up stumbling upon something called myofascial pain. And this made sense to me. And it's kind of like that your muscle fibers can get like these little knots in them that need to be worked out, but that this is, but your muscles are also moving. So that's why sometimes these pains can be intermittent or, you know, things might be pressing on a nerve right now and you feel numb, but later you don't because, you know, your, your muscles are also moving at the same time. So one of the, I don't know, founders, but certainly proselytizers of this type of pain is a neurologist who is actually located about an hour away from me. So I made an appointment once again, doesn't take insurance and, you know, drive down to the Washington DC area and he does uh, trigger point injections. And so the injections in and of themselves didn't particularly help or harm me in any way. It really kind of didn't do anything. I was really kind of disappointed. But the good that came out of this is that he said, I want you to go see this massage therapist that I know up in Baltimore. Uh, She does neuromuscular massage and I think she can help you. And she did. And it took a while. Again, it took, you know, seeing her for six or eight months 
as many times, you know, at least once a month, twice a month of, if I could, you know, afford it. <laughs> but she, you know, really was able to work on all of these issues that I had. And it was, it was just all muscle related. And then as one thing starts, t- you know, tightening up, then other muscles are overcompensating and other things are tightening up. So it's kind of peeling the layers of the onion to, to get to what was going on. But I mean, that was life changing to me to go how I felt from, you know, six months to six months later. And of course, all of this is in the aftermath of all of the trauma, the loss, the depression, the relationship issues, you know, all of this is kind of all going on at the same time too. Yeah. You definitely had a full plate. I was in that accident in 2004 and it took me, I don't, I think my first appointment with her was like the end of 2006. So it was a good two years later that I had been living, you know, in, in that kind of pain and discomfort all the time. So what exactly is the, what did you call it? Neuro? Neuromuscular massage therapy. What does that entail exactly? It doesn't tickle. <laughs> she really would, you know, find the source of, of what was going on and find the, the trigger point and then just really dig in and dig and dig and dig. And then it's, you feel like you feel it release and you kind of feel that like almost like endorphin rush of like, Oh, there it is, you know? Um, and then sometimes there's something called referred pain. So like I might be feeling it in my neck, but it might be coming from, you know, up under my armpit. And she had kind of like a map of like where these different points in the body are and where this can refer, you know, things to. And so sometimes it's pressing, you know, does this hurt? Does this hurt? Does this, oh, that hurts really bad. Oh, that's the spot. You know, it's definitely an intense session, but man, is it worth it. (laughs) So it's like a super deep tissue massage. That's very targeted. Yes. But, you know, sometimes you'll hear it referred to as like trigger point massage. It has a couple different names, you know, myofascial massage, neuromuscular massage, like they're all kind of similar terms. And how do you find a person that does that type of massage? I was very fortunate, I will say. I think that there's a a book and the woman who I went to for massage, she actually studied under the people who wrote the book. And so I would look to their website and I'm going to pull it up here in just one second and, uh, and tell you what it is because they have a list of practitioners who have studied under them. Oh, that's good. Well, and also I can put that in the show notes but yes, I'll make sure I send you the link by Claire Davies. And they have a, a bunch of practitioners that have studied under them. So that's the first place I would look. But sometimes you can just you know, be Googling for trigger point massage, myofascial release. You know, these are all kind of similar ter- terminologies. And there is actually this amazing book that can show you how to help treat yourself at home. Sometimes, you know, it's like getting a tennis ball and, you know, going against the wall under, you know, here to, to release you know, some of those points you can, the, we have the frozen shoulder book that they did also uh, in the other room here. My husband and I are always referring to it. Yeah, that's great to know. It's great to have the resources too, as well as the information. So thank you for that. Now, I know you also had another major life experience. So do you want to talk about that also? Sure. So Sometimes when I start talking about things, I feel like I should be like 80 years old and not just 42 or something. (laughs) Um, So yes, in 2018, I was diagnosed with breast cancer. I was 38 at the time and to say it was a huge shock (laughs) is an understatement. 
it's kind of a funny story how I discovered it myself. We were actually going to Disney World uh, with a, for a family vacation. And the night before, I went to jump in the shower and realized, oh, my husband had packed all of the bathroom stuff, you know, like, you know, my shower poof and everything. So I was just squirting shower gel into my hand and soaping up and realized I was feeling a lump. And I was concerned. But I remembered that my mom had a cyst or something one time. And I thought, oh, well, that must be what's going on. And, uh, you know, this we were this is like a Saturday night. We were getting on the plane Sunday morning. You know, it's not like I had time to go to the, the doctor right then. So as soon as we got back from Disney World, you know, I contacted my doctor and went in and, and she's like, okay, we need to get this looked at. But she wasn't freaking out. (laughs) And I went and had like a mammogram and an ultrasound. And I guess I maybe should have, like in retrospect, I think I should have known at that time by their reaction what was going on. But I was so like, how could I have breast cancer? This doesn't make any sense to me. You know, we don't have any family history of any kind of cancer, much less any breast cancer. I always say we're a heart attack family. You know, this, this doesn't make any, you know, sense to me. So what was their reaction that you're talking about? Well, they weren't like, you're fine. <laughs> you know, it was kind of like, yeah, we, we have to get this to the doctor. You know, we'll, we'll see what they say. We're probably going to want to do a biopsy and, you know, and I'm still just thinking, okay, well, they'll do that. And they'll see that this is nothing to worry about. And, you know, I just, you know, like I said, in, in retrospect, I, I feel like i I put, there was probably a lot of clues I didn't pick up on because I was just so convinced that there's no way that this could have been breast cancer because it doesn't make any sense. But yes, then I had the the needle biopsy and got the phone call. Yep, you you have breast cancer. A scary phone call for sure. Yeah, sometimes I almost think I need to go and maybe do a little EMDR work around breast cancer because it was now that I'm kind of looking back on it, like I feel like I'm just kind of starting to process everything. I just kind of went into survival power through mode to to get through it. So I didn't know about all the different kind of subtypes and, and how they classify things. So I had what is called triple positive, which means I was positive for estrogen and progesterone, both of those hormones, as well as the HER2 protein. And the HER2 actually makes it very aggressive. And fortunately, they have drugs through your oncology that can really shut it down. But those drugs have only been around since 2007. So you know, if I had had this before 2007, there really wouldn't have been much that they would have been able to do for me. So I feel very fortunate. It was considered stage two. I was very fortunate it hadn't spread to any lymph nodes or anything, but it was about the size of a golf ball, which is a pretty big, you know, size. But I was determined again, that this was not going to stop me from living my life. Join us next week when Erin Scott continues her story of coping with breast cancer and the processes she went through to overcome it including cold capping and mistletoe therapy, and how she detoxed from the chemotherapy. She also goes into fascinating methods of curing other ailments, overcoming pressure from doctors, and becoming an advocate for her own health. Until then, this is Marla Miller helping you discover more ways to be open-minded about your healing. Be sure and follow Open-Minded Healing so you'll get every new episode as soon as it's released each Tuesday. You can listen on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you get your podcasts.